Is it better to be fair or unfair? Oh. Emily. Fair, because if you're unfair, you may get the better part of it, but other people won't like you, and you want to have friends. It's better to be fair, because then, if you're trying to split something with your friend, and you're in charge of doing the splitting, because they think you're going to do it correct, and then you like... You're trying to break a candy bar, you purposely break yourself a bigger piece than the other person, and you just pretend like you didn't do it, they're going to find out, and they're going to think you're unfair, and they're not going to want to be your friend anymore. Hey, let's pray together, and then we're going to look into Scripture, okay? Father in heaven, thanks for uh, your grace to us. Thanks for um, the way you're shaping us and leading us in the way you want us to go. Uh, we have questions for you, God. We have questions like, are you fair? Uh, we have questions like, is it, is it even right for us to think that you should be fair? And so would you lead us together today and help us to understand your heart and your mind? And would you shape us to be like Jesus? Amen. All right. So if you're a guest today, thanks for coming. If you're not a guest, thanks for coming. We're in the end of a series. Here's the last session today on this series called Obstacles. And the whole series idea is that there are these questions that we have and they become obstacles to us and to our faith. Now, there are some questions you have in life that are not that big of a deal. Like, like why is it so hard to find peppermint ice cream in the summer? I mean, right? But most of you are not going to lose your faith over the fact that you can't find it in, right now. Are we okay? But there are other questions that, we, that come up for us and you go, man, when these questions come up, all of a sudden I run into a stumbling block. All of a sudden I run into an obstacle and it's kind of hard to figure out how am I going to go forward with this God who lets these things happen? Like one question that everybody in the world wants to know, especially when they're thinking about who God is and do they want to worship God or believe in God, why does God allow suffering in this world? I mean, why does he just do away with it? Why does he just make it all like it was back in Eden before Adam and Eve ate the fruit and did all that thing? which may you know, answer some of the question right there. But before that, when it was all good and wonderful and relationships were unbroken, why doesn't it just go back like that? And why doesn't God just do it? Or questions like, if God is good, if he's all good, and if he's all powerful, why does he let this stuff happen? That's kind of the whole question all, all the way written out or spoken out. And those questions for us sometimes become obstacles. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, they are sometimes obstacles. And for those of us who are not yet followers of Jesus or don't have any intention of becoming, for, for those of us like that, it maybe it's really big as an obstacle and keeps me from deciding to follow Jesus. And so all we're trying to do is figure out what are these questions like and how do we answer them. One of the questions that comes up for us is, why is it so hard to hear God sometimes? You ever notice when the hard stuff's going on, it gets harder and harder to hear God? And we have these expectations that God's going to answer our prayers, or we're going to hear from God, or something good's going to come, but all that comes is bad stuff or hard things. And you go, well, how come it's so hard to hear God? Or how do I hear God when God's voice is hard to hear? Which goes back to the why question of why does God allow suffering? Because suffering makes it hard for me to hear God. And so how do I hear God when God is hard to hear? And so we're just trying to address that question together for a few minutes today. Now, last week we started this part of the conversation, and we and there was just we were just talking about this idea that when it's hard to hear God, how do you hear from Him? And we said there are certain times in our lives and certain things we can do in our lives that make it easier to hear from God. And we said the best thing for us to do when you find out that it's hard to hear from God sometimes is figure out how to hear from God when hearing God's voice is easier. 
Sometimes God's voice is easier to hear. And if you can just learn to focus on him then and hear his voice then, then when the hard times come, you'll be ready to hear him. You'll be prepared to hear him. You'll sort of have your ears trained or tuned to hear him. And so last week, I just want to do a little bit of review to catch you up in case you weren't here or in case you kind of forgot where we were. Last week, we talked about Psalm 19. And Psalm 19 is this beautiful song where the songwriter says there's two ways to hear from God when hearing God can be easy. One is go outside and look up at the heavens. He says the heavens are telling of the glory of God. Tonight, there's going to be this, this uh, astronomical event that only comes around every so often. It's kind of rare. It's called a supermoon. Did you read about that? Yeah, it's going to come up tonight. It's going to come up over the hills in Eldorado Hills. It's going to be huge. It's going to be beautiful. And your attention is going to be drawn there. It's going to be amazing because here's the moon. It's just a bunch of green cheese. Oh, that's not the scientific deal. It's just a bunch of rocks. The moon's just a bunch of rocks that make a big ball in the sky. And the sun reflects off that and shines light on us. Scientifically, you can say this is what it's all about. And yet they write songs about the moon. Right? Romance happens under a full moon. So you have this science piece, but you have this art piece or this romance piece, this poetic piece, and all that comes together under something like the supermoon. You go outside tonight, you can can see the moon, and you can say, I know there's a God who ties all the science and the heart together in that. He said, look to the heavens, and you'll be able to hear God more easily. And then he said, not only look to the heavens or listen to the heavens, listen to God speak through the heavens, but listen to God speak through the scriptures. And he went on and gave us this whole part in the second half of that Psalm 19. And he said, this, the, the laws of the Lord are perfect and they restore the soul and they, and they encourage our heart and they uplift us and all the things that God's word does for us. So he goes, listen to God through his creation and listen to God through his word. And then hearing God will be easier in those times. And if you've made a practice in your life of listening to God's voice when God's voice is easier to hear, when God's voice gets harder to hear, you'll know better how to hear it. And that's what we're after. Because every one of us comes into times in our lives where we go, man, I just don't hear God at all right now. Sometimes it's in the midst of a big disaster, big world, you know, global disaster like a tsunami or something. It's like, oh, that's really hard to hear God now. And sometimes some of us are a little hard-hearted. We go, well, I get that. That's suffering over there, but I don't really feel it so much personally here. And then God allows some tragedy to come into your own family or your own body or your own soul. And then you go, wow, it's hard to hear from God now. And all of us get into those places. And if we would just learn to hear from God when his voice is easier to hear, we'd be better equipped to hear when he's quiet. God is awfully quiet sometimes, isn't he? Sometimes as Christ followers, we feel like we shouldn't admit that because, you know, I should be all spiritual. I should be able to hear God's voice all the time. That's just not how it works for us. God is awfully quiet a lot of the time. Well, how do we tune our hearts to listen to him? The psalm writer says, listen to the scriptures and you'll learn to hear from him. I believe God is speaking all the time. Our problem is not that God is not speaking. Our problem is is not with God's voice. Our problem with, is with our hearing. So how do we adjust it? So if you've been practicing those things, way to go. If you've been saying, okay, I'm going to read scripture, maybe, make sure you hear this part too. Make sure you hear all of the scriptures, not just the ones you like. Anybody notice that you have certain scriptures that you like? Yeah? Good, thank you. 
one person who's willing to say yes. Right? I mean, like, yeah, I, I, there's certain scriptures I like. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I love that one. We're going to talk about that one next week. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. That's so great. Then, of course, there's in that same song, there's that whole thing about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't like that so much. See, there's scriptures we like and there's scriptures we don't like. When, it, when, you, when you're trying to hear God's voice, when it's easy to hear, don't just follow the scriptures that you like. Pay attention to the ones you don't like as well. I'll show you some of those in a few minutes. Yeah, you're welcome. Wait for it. All right, here's the deal. If you want to hear God's voice, when God's voice is hard to hear, it starts, I believe, with a decision. Beyond listening to, those, to creation and to a scripture, it starts with a decision. We need to decide something. So if you're sitting there going, yeah, 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 I'd like to hear God's voice when it's hard to hear him, okay? It starts with a decision. Here's where it goes. The decision is this. I have to decide to be ready to listen to God when his voice is hard to hear. Because part of the reason I don't hear him when it gets hard is because I have decided not to. I've decided to go, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. And God's not saying what I want him to say. He's not saying what I'm ready for him to say. And so I'm not going to listen. You have to decide to listen to God, even when his voice is hard to hear. When you make that decision, here's how this is going to roll out. Here's what it takes to, to carry out that decision. A few things. And I'm going to jump through a lot of stuff today. So if you have a pencil or paper or you've got your smartphone or something to take notes on, that would be really helpful, I think, for you today. Okay? Number one, remove your own obstacles. You go, God, it's really hard for me to hear. I never, I, I pray all these prayers and God doesn't answer my prayers and I don't know why. And he's not talking to me. He's not communicating. And so it becomes an obstacle. Sometimes these questions become obstacles, but sometimes the stuff in our life becomes our own obstacle. Listen to some of the obstacles to our prayers. Again, write these scriptures down. You might not be able to turn to all of them, but write them down and then look them up this week. James chapter four, verse three, makes this statement. When you ask, you do not receive. Ooh, there's the, that's the statement right there. That's my problem, right? I ask God for things and I don't receive. He says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. He says, part of the problem with our praying, part of the problem with our prayers, and then part of the problem of not hearing from God, like God didn't answer my prayer, is that our prayers are selfish, we pray these things because we've got all these things that we want. It's like, God, give me this, give me get this, give me this. We're like a kid in the department store. It's like, I want one of those or one of those. Or in the grocery store in the cart, you notice that the sweet cereal is right at cart level. So children go, Mom, that's what I want. That's how we are with God. God, I want this and this and this. He says, the reason you don't have what you ask for is because you ask with wrong motives to spend what you get on your own pleasures. You go, is that bad? No, it's not bad. It, unless you want to hear from God. If you want to hear from God, that's going to make it really hard to hear from God. If, you, if all your prayers, if all your requests to God are for your own pleasures. Sometimes we come to God like he's our own little personal ATM. You know, if I just put these prayers in, if I just put these things in, God's going to spit out all this stuff that I want. He says, our problem is you're trying to spend what you get on your own pleasures. You're not going to hear from God. So, remove your own obstacles. So, number one, check your motives. What are my motives for praying? What are my motives for seeking God? Is it all because I want stuff for myself? Or is there something more that God is going to do through my life? Check your motives. Next verse. Ze Zechariah 
chapter 7, verse 13. We don't read Zechariah very often, but here's an interesting statement. God's speaking to the people of Israel, and he says this. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. I don't think he says that in a petulant kind of way. When I called, they did not listen, so when they call, I'm not going to listen. Hmm. I don't think God's like that, but he's just laying this out for them. The paragraph before that says he was angry with them because he'd been calling them and calling them and calling them and saying, come on, you people, follow me. I've laid out all this good for you and all this blessing for you, and I, I've got all this stuff for you, but you need to follow me. You need to obey me. He says, I've been calling to you. In effect, he's saying, I've been praying to you, but you would not answer. See, you always get the opinion. I get the opinion. It's like, I'm praying to God, but God doesn't answer my prayers. God says to us, I was praying to you first. And you're not answering my prayers, God says. I'm, I'm giving you things to think about, you things to do. I'm giving you things to, to practice, but you're not doing the things I gave you. So when you call on me, I'm not answering. Sometimes... I have people, not as, not as often since we have services on Saturday night, I don't get to do this as often anymore, but people will call and they'll say, hey, Pastor Brad, we want you to officiate our wedding. And so I'll sit down and, and begin some of the premarital counseling with one of these couples who wants, to do, wants me to do their wedding for them or with them. And so, you know, I'll say, you know, we don't get to hang out a lot of times together and stuff, so just tell me, why'd you call a pastor to officiate your wedding? Anybody can do weddings these days. You can just go on the internet, get a license for the day, boom, you can do a wedding. You know, have fun with that. So, but you don't need a pastor. So why'd you call me as a pastor to, to officiate your wedding? And they'll invariably say, well, because we want God to bless our marriage. I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. Are you doing everything that God asks you to do? When God's calling to you, are you listening to him? People will come to me and, be, and they're living together before they get married. And I'm, got, I'm like, you know, you want God to bless your marriage, but you're doing this whole, you're doing this whole sex thing backwards. There's a reason God laid it out how it's laid out. It's for your benefit. It's for your blessing. You're doing it backwards. So you're coming to me, so I'll do your wedding. But you're not following the blessing that God already gave you, the, the commands that God already gave you for the purpose of blessing your marriage. It's the same thing he said to Zechariah, to the people of Israel. I was calling to you, but you didn't answer. So next thing, check your obedience level. If you go, man, it's hard for me to hear God these days, just check your obedience level. Is there anything in your life that God has said, I want you to do this or I want you to stop doing that? Is there anything you need to switch in your obedience level to God? Maybe that's becoming an obstacle to you hearing God. The practice of obedience tunes our heart to hear God. The more obedient we are to him, the more in tune we are with his word and his voice. Next scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This one is addressed to husbands. So every husband, here it comes, okay? And your husbands, you're going to say, what about my wife? She needs to do the same thing. It's like, yeah, maybe so, but this one's really talking to husbands. So ladies, you get a pause for a minute. You can listen and see if this, you know, you might want to practice the same thing, but here's for husbands. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. In the Bible, it describes how sometimes our prayers are hindered, men, 
because we don't treat our wives with consideration. We don't treat our wives with respect and honor. And God goes, what you have created is you have created your own obstacle to your prayers. Literally, that's the word. He says, do this so that your prayers will not be obstacled. That's literally what he says. Husbands, how do you treat your wife? It says treat her with respect. It's the word honor. It's the word that means to treat something as if it had precious value. I get so discouraged sometimes when I hear other couples out and about, wherever it might be, and, uh, and I hear husbands not speaking with respect and admiration and honor to their wife. It, it wounds my heart, honestly. And I know, I know you know, you, you live together all your life, and it's sometimes you get cranky, you know, and, and ladies, sometimes you give us a reason to be cranky every now and then, and sometimes men are just cranky, right? And, we, and sometimes we just get busy, and we get in a hurry, and we, for, we forget to stop and go, whoa, whoa, I chose to love this woman. I chose to honor her. I chose to marry her. I'm going to treat her with respect. When we stop doing that, we create an obstacle to our prayers, and you, you know, you might, that might raise a question. You're like, that's not fair. God shouldn't do it like that. I'm not saying, you know, why God does it that way, except that's how he set it up. That's how he says it. He wants you to cherish your wife like he cherishes your wife is what he wants. Now, ladies, you can take that same thing. You can go, you can go, <laughs> you know, you can go to your husband like, come on, man, step up. Or you could say, Hmm, I bet that speaking with honor and speaking with respect thing goes both ways. We create our own obstacles sometimes to our prayers because of how we treat our spouse. And so I would say check our behavior. And tune your ear to listen to God because you've learned how to treat your spouse. And the way we treat our spouse tunes our ear to hear God even when it's hard to hear him. And you can do those three things. Check your motives of your your prayers. Check your obedience level to God. Check your behavior toward your spouse and you still may end up saying, but God's voice is still hard to hear. That won't solve all your problems in terms of praying and being able to hear from God and when suffering comes, being able to hear from God. It won't solve all your problems. And so there are other ways, other things to do to tune your heart to hear God's voice. I have a radio in my garage. It's an old radio. It's one of those radios that has a dial on it. You know, yeah, a little thing, a little, little turny thing. It's called analog. It's an analog radio. And uh, some of you remember them. I, so this has been sitting on my, on my workbench in my garage forever. And so I like to tune it. My, that my radio is tuned to one station. It's tuned to the Giants you know, San Francisco Giants station. I like to listen to baseball on my radio, right? Is that okay? Are we good? Right. So, you know what's fascinating about my radio? It receives at any given time dozens of radio stations, dozens of them. The, the, the station that the A's are playing on is also on my radio. You know, there's music. I think there's music stations on my radio. And those stations are broadcasting to my radio all the time. They never stop. They never give up. But my radio always only hears Giants games. Because that's where I have it tuned. And your heart is like a radio and you have it tuned. And you've got it listening to certain things. And you've got it listening for certain things. 
And you can tune your heart so that it's easier to hear God even when it's hard to hear him. But you have to tune it right. So one of the things that helps us tune up our heart to hear God's voice is to be ready to hear God say certain things. I've noticed over the years of preaching that not everyone's always tuned in to what I'm saying because I'm going to say some things that people go, I don't want to hear that. And so they don't hear it. If, they, if I don't say things according to the way people's ears are tuned, they don't always hear it, I've found out. It's the same way with God. God wants to say some things, but we don't have our ear tuned to him exactly and how he wants to say things and what he wants to say, and so we start missing some things. So one of these things is be ready to hear God say no. When you pray, when you're seeking God, even when in times of suffering and in need or in stress or distress or whatever those might, things might be, are you ready to hear God say, the answer is no? We, we, have, our, we have our heart radio turn, tuned to a station called KYES. You know that station? KYES. And sometimes God is broadcasting on, on uh, KNOT. And see, he's broadcasting, but you're not getting it because you're on some other stations. You're just not picking that part up. Are you ready to hear if God says the answer to your prayer is no? God always hears. God, God never fails to hear your prayers, regardless of the circumstances. God always answers your prayers, regardless of the circumstances. It's just that so often when we pray a prayer, we're expecting God to say yes. It's the funniest thing. You see this with teenage boys. You know how teenage boys work? Teenage boys are amazing because they are the king of the one-word answer. Is it, am, I, am I, are we getting it, right? But they're king of the one-word answer. I, I had this son. He's still, I still have him. <laughs> He's no longer a teenager, and he's kind of gotten over this a little bit, but I found out when he was a teenager, and even younger than that, I would ask him, ask him questions, and he would always give me a one-word answer. Yep, no, yep, no, yep, with just one-word answer. Sometimes we're the same way with God. I, I, God, I only, I only hear you say one thing. I'm not hearing you say yes. I'm only hearing the, the no side of it, one word. Maybe if we stop praying one-word prayers to God, God would answer in something different than one word. I found out with my son, if I asked him different kinds of questions, he couldn't give me a yes, no answer. He can give me, I don't know. You know, but, but it helped us to engage when I asked different questions. Maybe it helps us to engage with God when we, ask, when we learn to ask our prayers differently. So we're not just tuned in to hear a yes. Sometimes when we pray, we're not giving God credit for what he wants to do in our lives. We've got things that we want in our lives. We've got things that we want God to do in our lives, but we don't stop to give God credit for the fact that he might have things that he wants to do in our lives. Like sometimes we pray. Let's, let's talk to the ladies this time. Sometimes, ladies, you're praying, God, change my husband. God, change my husband. God, change my husband. You don't have to raise your hand because we know. Right, So you're praying this prayer, God changed my husband, God changed my husband, and you can't hear that God's answering your prayer. You're like, no, he's not. My husband's just the same as he's been forever. Yeah, but you can't hear that God is already answering your prayer, but what he's saying is, I was trying to change you. And of course, that thing can go both ways too, and it doesn't have to be a spouse. It can be, you know, God changed my children. How many parents have not prayed that one? <laughs> 
See, you all have. I had 100% participation that time. Right? So, yeah, we've all prayed that one. God changed my children. Come on, God shaped them up. And God looks at you and goes, I'm trying to change you. Don't. That's the answer to the prayer. And if I've got my heart tuned to that, if I'm willing to have God say no to my request, maybe I'll be able to hear what God's saying to me when it's hard to hear. See, we're not always ready to hear from God when the answer is no. We're not ready to hear from God, and that's why it becomes hard to hear him sometimes because we know he's going to say no. Like, I can't hear that yes, God. I can't hear that yes. What was that? He goes, I said no. What was that? I can't hear that yes yet. That's how we roll that out. It's hard to hear from God because we're not ready to hear what he has to say. And sometimes God says no when we want a yes because God disagrees with our prayers. Is that shocking? I mean, don't you think that when you're praying, you're saying to God the things that he wants to know? I mean, don't you think that God agrees with you all the time? You don't? Am I the only one? The way I live my life, the way I say my prayers suggests that I think God agrees with me all the time. And he clearly doesn't. And I need to tune my heart to hear when God says the answer is no. Here's another one. This may be harder. Are you ready to hear when God says in your life you are going to suffer? Would you hear God if God said to you, it's my will for you to suffer? When that kind of word comes down from God, we don't hear that one at all. We're like, there's there's static in here. This radio's not working. This receiver's not working. It's not tuning in. Something's wrong. I'm not hearing this right. God says, sometimes I want to say to you, you're going to suffer. That suffering thing, it's always hard to hear if we're not ready. If we haven't tuned our heart to say, God might say to me, you're going to suffer. We all agree that people in this world suffer, yes? That's a fact. People in the world suffer. I dislike that. If, that, you know, if there's a dislike button for that one on Facebook, I'd hit the dislike button. I dislike that. People in this world suffer. I, in this world, suffer. Not very much, frankly, but I suffer. There are things that, there are things that break my heart. There are things that bruise me. There are things that wound me. There are things in my life that make me suffer. Fact. And I don't like that either. But suffering happens. And somehow we've gotten this idea that suffering is not what God designed for Christians. Listen to what suffering is. Here's a definition of suffering. Three different uh, dictionary definitions for suffering. Number one, suffering is to feel pain or distress. Like or dislike. Yeah, dislike. That, that was an easy one, right? Suffering, second definition, to sustain an injury or disadvantage or loss. Like or dislike? Dislike. Third one, to, suffering is to undergo a penalty. Like or dislike? Dislike. Someone in the back, yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, oh, there's always somebody in the crowd. I dislike that one. No, I'm just kidding. So, to feel pain or distress, to sustain an injury or disadvantage or loss... Or to undergo a penalty. And I go, oh, wait, wait, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. That just doesn't seem right to me. 
we have this expectation. We don't always want to admit it, but we have this expectation that we're Christians. It should go well with us. It should be always up and to the right for us. It should always be joy, 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 joy down in my heart for us. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, patience, and all that other stuff. We go, that's, that's what it ought to be for me. But that's just interesting. How, how did the Christian faith begin? What was the beginning of the Christian faith? Okay, it depends on where you count, right? It depends on where you start. Let's just start here. Joseph and Mary, father and mother, or earthly father and mother of Jesus. Where did it start for them? Where did the Christian faith start? With suffering. They suffered ridicule. Oh, yeah, so here's this young girl. She's not married. And she's pregnant. Oh, and what's your story? A, what's that? A virgin and, and, and conceived by the Holy Spirit? What? Beginning of Jesus' life started with the suffering of his parents. And then, of course, the Christian, life, the Christian faith really launched when Jesus suffered and died on a cross. Here's the Lord of the universe. Here's the Lord of our faith. And, it, and our faith began when he suffered and died on a cross. Does it make any sense that having a Savior who suffered and died for us would call us to something that was completely without suffering? What happened to Jesus' disciples? After Jesus left, after Jesus ascended into heaven, what happened to his disciples? How many of his disciples made it out of this world without being martyred? Out of the 12, out of the 11, because, you know, Judas had his deal, but one made it out. John, the apostle John apparently died sort of a natural death. They tried to boil him in oil. That didn't even work, you know, so he still lived, and that must have been miserable, but he kind of made it out at the end just sort of by a natural death. Everybody else died of martyrdom. When we were in Italy, we went to a church in Assisi called the Church of St. Clair, and out in front of the Church of St. Clair, there's two stone lions carved at the doorway of this church. And if you look at the picture of this, the lion on the left has a Christian in his mouth. That was put there in the 12th century so that those Christians who would enter that church would remember that the Christian life comes with suffering. Every time you walked into church, you know, you walk into church here, we're like, hi, hi, nice music, happy day, it's happy, happy, we're, no, it's all, we're glad to see you. You walk into that church like, oh, it's going to be a good day today. But that was the, but that's what happened to the followers of Jesus in the generations before them. Listen to what the Bible says from God to us about suffering as followers of Jesus. Again, you can just write these down. I'm going to go through them real fast. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Now, if we are children, Paul says, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. If you're the son of God, if you're the daughter of God, if you're a child of God, you're an heir of God with Christ, and you're going to share in his sufferings. That's how Paul sets it up. Acts chapter 5, verse 41, the, the, the disciples had been beaten because of their faith, and they left the Sanhedrin. It says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. If I ever have to suffer for the name of Jesus, I'm like, rrr, 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 I don't like that. They rejoiced when they suffered for him, and they heard from God when it was hard to hear him. Philippians 1, verse 29, listen to this. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, in other words, for the benefit of Christ, it has been granted to you not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. It has been granted to you. Do you have your ear tuned to that? 
or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. There's an invitation there. There's a calling there. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. See, what happens is, if you tune your ear that way, when things get hard and you go, I just can't hear from God because it's so noisy. There's so much static or there's so much pain or there's so much suffering. I just can't do it. When you've got your heart tuned to those verses, some of the ones that we don't like to hear so much, you realize that God put a calling on us and he said, in this world you will have suffering. But do not be dismayed, for I have overcome the world. And when we get in the practice of tuning our ears to hear the scriptures that we don't like, when we get in the practice of tuning our ears to hear the parts of scripture we'd like to like leave out of it, then when the hard times come and it's hard to hear from God, you'll find out it's not so hard after all because you've got your ears tuned to his voice already. I'm trying in my prayers to change the way I pray. I pray like most people. God, I want this. I want that. Give me this. You know, give my children this. Give my wife this. You know, I get the benefit of all that. I come to God and I go, God, here's what I want from you. And my prayers end up being just kind of a list of, God, here's what I want from you. I'm trying to stop praying that way. I'm trying to do that different and come to God and say, God, what would you want for a person of faith. Sometimes it helps me to put it in a third person out there and kind of go, okay, for those people out there, God, what would you want for a person of faith? And I look at you guys, and I'm like, oh, God, what would you want for a person of faith like Jeff? You know, what would you want for that person? What would you want for a person of faith like Heather? That would just be amazing. Whatever you want for her, that's probably what you want for me. And so I'm trying to change that and put it out there in some kind of a third person thing. What would you want, God, for a person of faith? And then I just add this on to the end. Like, me. Sometimes it's easier for me to hear God when it's hard to hear him when I'm asking for you. When I'm saying, God, what would you want for a person of faith like that person? Or what would you want for a person of faith like me? And my heart gets tuned up to hear from God. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of hard times, I hear him. You can hear him because you've got your heart tuned up. Jesus, I pray for us today. I pray for us to hear you. You've given us some really clear things about how to hear you, even when it's hard. And so would you lead us down that path? Would you show us the way? Lord, may we, as we're, as we're moving forward down this road, may we be accustomed to asking, God, what would you want for a person of faith like me? And I pray that you would show us. And Lord, if it's suffering, I pray we would walk into it rejoicing because we're becoming like you. The fastest track to become like you is through suffering. So Lord, lead us in your path and we will look to you and we will trust you. Oh Jesus, for your sake, on your behalf. Amen. Take those scriptures that we just gave out today. Take them home this week and read them and see what God does in your heart. See what God begins to say in your heart and how well you can hear him.
If you didn't get them down, go back online. You can hear the message online, and they'll all be out there. And uh, read through those scriptures and say, God, I just want to hear your voice. Speak to me through these. Let's see what he says. All right.